the day. Happy Monday. Welcome to the fourth episode of Maya's Music Motive. I hope everyone has had a great holiday season this past year and has had a great start to the new year. I can't believe I'm saying that. And for all of you that are saying, oh, wow, Maya hasn't posted in a whole year. I don't want to hear the jokes. It's only just been a little bit over a month. You know, a girl is still in school. She still has finals. She still has a lot of jobs she's trying to work on. So sometimes timing doesn't work in our favor. But I promise my New Year resolution was that I will work on that. But yes, I hope you guys had a great holiday and a great start to 2022. I know that things have really popped off in my world and are thankfully starting well. So I just want to welcome you all back to The Motive. I hope you missed it. I I know that I missed it and I missed talking to you guys and just interacting with you guys even just on social media or just like in school or with my friends if I talk to y'all on the daily. Um, A couple announcements before we really get into our motive for the day. One thing I want to talk about is my Kickstarter that I launched in the middle of December. Um, That actually will be linked in the show notes, but I just one want to say thank you. I uploaded really just to kind of get additional funding for like audio supplies and doing marketing. And I was just like, oh, this will be cool if this happened. But y'all are amazing and got it funded to 70%, which is just more than I could ever ask for. And I am just so blessed and grateful and thankful. And there's two weeks left in that. So I have a link in the show notes if you want to donate even the smallest amount. I would be very grateful. Um, There's different tier systems because I'm developing little baby merch like Motive AirPods and a little Motive laptop sticker if you just want to have it on you, with you on the go or wherever you're, you're set up for your office or for class. So if you donate a certain amount, I will highlight your name and give you a shout out in another episode of the show. If you give other amounts, it'll be included with some Motive AirPods and a Motive laptop sticker just to give a little bit of highlight. So that is in the show notes and any little amount or any type of sharing on social media is amazing. So just thank you for that. And then another announcement I have is that I actually have my first five names I'm going to be shouting out in the show. Seeing that it's just been a good amount of people, I want everyone to get their little highlight moments. So I'm going to break them up into small groups over the next three to four shows. So first on my list, I have Miss Lexi Fioto. Hi, Lexi. Thank you so much for your donation. I know she's like, giggling when she hears this. Um, Next on my list is Mr. Bass Condi. Hi, Bass. Thank you for your donation. You're the best. Next, I have Mr. Matt Nardone. Hi, Matt. I know you're giggling too. Um, Next, I have Miss LaRavia Davis, co-signed by Miss Alea Davis Cornus. Hello, guys. And finally, I have Miss Nadia Ivory Fuller. Thank you all for your donation. Thank you for your support. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my friends for some people. Thank you for being my family for some people and just really helping this podcast develop and kind of go to the next level. I know y'all are tired of listening to me and just doing my solo thing. We did that in the first episode and realized that y'all like it a lot more when I talk to someone, which I understand. So I have a very, very special guests with me on the show. If you guys ever see me personally or see me in just like everyday life, y'all have probably seen her next to me, seen her in photos with me or us walking around campus at Miami back in the day. Um, We met four years ago, which is kind of crazy to say and makes me age a little bit. She's a very special person. She actually helped Motive come into fruition and become a big part of my life. So I want to introduce Miss Brandy Stevens to the show. Hi, Brandy. Hi, Maya. Hello, everyone. 
Jen. How's it going? How you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on The Motive. I'm a big fan. Oh, well, that's good to know. <laughs> no, <laughs> no bias at all. And for those who don't know, um, Brandy is not just like a collaborator in life and in work. She also happens to be my best friend. You no know, Motive definitely wouldn't have been a thing without Brandy. Um, just kind of getting a little bit of fun backstory. She was like, hey, Maya, let's do a podcast and talk about entertainment since we both do it. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> yep. I I wish I had a better way of saying it. I was like, we're not going to do it. I was like, we're not going to post it. It's not going to do it. Like, no. Because I had taken You're a like, podcast Yo. class at the University of Miami. Went was going great. True. was having fun. And me and Maya always just used to just have discussions over text message about the entertainment industry in our respective fields. And I said, well, why don't we do this? We do this anyway. Let's Let's try to do it. And Maya was like, no. And I guess she took my advice and did it herself. Well, okay, okay. Providing some insight, I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm gonna steal and I'm gonna take it. What happened is I, well, I also explained this like, I had a capstone for grad school and I had to build a business and I didn't know what I was gonna do. Quite honestly, I was like, do I wanna do a management company? Do I wanna do like our services? And I was like, Brandy said something about podcasts and I talk too much and I don't know if I could do it solo, but maybe. I can invite people. So then it definitely like was an inspiration. Granted, I think we very much will have our own podcast once our sound quality is better. This is also just kind of cool to do since we talked about it and you kind of like planted the idea. So like, I definitely think people that know us are going to be like really excited to hear it. So I just kind of want to highlight you. I know you you kind of cued yourself in a bit, but just kind of giving some highlights on Miss Brandy. And she is a University of Miami hurricane. She is a former communications and film graduate, a director, a writer. She also is a University of Miami cheer team alum, and she is currently working on the production side of television and film in Atlanta, Georgia. So she is a jack of all trades and a triple threat. And I will also let you talk about yourself a little bit and not just like let me fill in your narrative. So you shoot on ahead. Well, yeah, Maya, you pretty much got it. That's what I have been up to lately since graduating in 2020, working in production in Atlanta. Um, I've worked on a lot of reality shows, um, television shows, feature films, documentaries, um, really enjoying it in Atlanta. And I also am working on my own personal projects. I'm writing and directing a short film right now that's in pre-production. So that's going great. Uh, Yeah. And I'm just really excited to be here to talk about how our two respective fields collaborate yeah the short film is on its way <laughs> promo for the short film look for it it's called impressions yeah no i'm um, a big fan coming of impressions soon. um so i probably will if you catch me like promoing it more than my own show on like my personal instagram and in the in the motives instagram don't be surprised just give me like a couple months for it to be made and y'all will be like this is not the podcast, and you'll know why. Okay, but now that we're moving on from that, like Brandy said, um, this is definitely just going to be fun because it's going to be a kind of a topic that's really just blending our worlds together. Um, and of course, like although like I love you as a friend, you know, you're, you're my girl, but you know, I also love you just like as a talented professional. Like she, this is someone that really kind of went to school and knew she liked movies but it was definitely just amazing seeing you develop your skill and just seeing how naturally this comes to you and just seeing it being put in a professional light and doing it real now it's just always fun to see and seeing you like brainstorm and text me about it i'm just very proud but that's enough of that little emo moment Thank you. okay that's you're nice. welcome we're not I know nice you're... to each other you guys you're not used that, to that. we're not this nice to each other I know. 
Well, that really do the feeling moment. emotion. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, they're going to be like, ooh. Anyway. <laughs> Are they friends? <laughs> anyway. Okay. So now that we've gotten that out the way, should we get into our motive for the day? Yes, let's get into it. Okay, so today's motive, like I said, I thought it'd be fun to really one to take some focus away from just doing strictly music. I know everything that I've talked about, whether it's social issues, video issues, even like new genres has been very, very music focused, which of course is the point of this podcast. But one thing that is amazing about music is that it transcends just its own field and especially in entertainment music can be found everywhere and it likes to collaborate with other forms of media. So With that, I just thought it would always be good to sort of just incorporate other forms of entertainment where it applies. So really the main reason why I kind of started doing this is that I had the opportunity to take a intro to film class at Miami. And then I also took a class with Brandy called Radical Black Cinema. And even though I knew borderline nothing about film, it really inspired me just to kind of see like, how would this play into my music business major? How would it play into the industry? Like how do the two worlds collide? Because of course, like when you have a movie, you need sound to go with it. So um, I I know, it, of course, based off of Brandy's bio, we kind of know where this is going, but our motive for today is film music. Yay. Which is actually one of my favorite topics. I, I always think it's really fun to talk about mostly because maybe because it's like a hobby for me versus my actual job. If it was my job, maybe I wouldn't be as excited. (laughs) Are you excited? I'm excited. Okay. Okay. I'm ready to talk. Well, I have a question for you before we actually get into the basics of this and um, just how we start off. But like, did you ever notice that there was kind of a significant thing about music and film and how it progresses the story before like, like teenager Brandy that watched movies before like getting the degree? Did you ever think that when you were younger, like, the music kind of goes along the track of the film progression of the storyline. If that really had an impact with you when you were younger, I'd love to know. I want to say yes and no. I, as uh, I was never, like I said, I think, well, Maya knows this. I've never been a music person. I just used to listen to kind of whatever came on the radio, whatever came on. Like my parents didn't really play that much music around the house. So it was like music was just music. And then I went to college and I fortunately met my best friend, Maya, who kind of actually taught me to like, maybe you should listen to the whole album of artists. And I really started listening to artists and understanding more about music and how that's made. So that helped me while I was watching movies think, oh, this these lyrics match this scene. This makes the story better. This helps the story go forward. But as a teenager, I wasn't really thinking that, or even as a child when I really loved movies, I never really thought about how it was helping the story, more so just that I enjoyed the songs that were being played. So that's what I would say. I mean, no, that totally makes sense because like even going on the opposite side of it, like I think, I mean, there were some movies where like I genuinely enjoyed the movie for the movie, but I think even watching movies that were a bit more dramatic, like I think a perfect example is Twilight, like great disclaimer. I don't like Twilight, and she knows this. I didn't know you didn't like it like that. (laughs) I like it. I don't know. I like half of it. That's what I'll say. The more I watch, the more I'm, like, friendly towards it. But when I first – like, when I watched the first movie, I was like, what is going on? I was definitely a Harry Potter girl, Hunger Games person, but, like, Harry Potter was my thing. And when I was watching Twilight, like, we watched it, I think, for, like, a cheer thing. But when I was watching it, it is that I liked about it was the soundtrack. Like, the – 
the so- the music is incredible but like even amazing. the songs like i remember they were stuck in my head for about like a week like decode by paramore there's one song that plays in the beginning where she like walks into the high school or the collins all walk into the high school and that definitely like put a mental image in my head like that's what stuck with me more so than the actual movie then i saw the movie and i was like well this isn't as bad as i remember but like the album <laughs> like i always went and listened to the music from twilight versus watching it so it's kind of funny how we were on opposite sides no the music is amazing uh in twilight the first one specifically it really like ignited my punk rock indie kind of angsty teenage phase that i was going through when i was younger and the mu- i hadn't i didn't know any of the artists i didn't know who paramore was at the time now i love paramore and that's just like how songs will be in movies and introduce you to something yeah and we'll definitely get into that kind of towards the end of our topic today but just kind of starting off one thing i do want to highlight is that really today because There's really three different methods that music or sound can be added to a film in terms of commission. Um, The first one is actually just commissioning an original score. Um, For that, we'll think of things like Jaws. Um, But yeah, so when we think a um, composer, we think a commissioned composition, we think of people like Hans Zimmer. And then we go to a curated artist album, which is really just taking a lot of sync licensing of songs that already is existed and then putting them on an album a great example of this would be like it's twilight um it would also be a pretty woman um back in like the 80s a lot of those songs they were done already but like pretty woman came from the 1960s the actual theme song uh, that was done by tom petty and then we have my favorite type which i call like create original works which is when the movie uh will pay a music supervisor that either works for the film or works for a label and really gets a lineup of artists that really fit the mold of the movie or the vision of the movie and have all original songs created for that film put a big compilation of the album together and you have your album soundtrack so for this we will talk be talking about mostly like strictly original works or original creations that went with movies some of them have some that were either covers or were brought in from like already released work but most of it was really done in an original light um and just to kind of highlight like how record labels participate in this world just because you're thinking like what do record labels have to do with this they have something to do with everything is what i'm starting to learn over time um really the record label is kind of used as a distributor the film will kind of hire record label ie for great gatsby interscope was hired as the distributor and then jay-z hopefully y'all know who jay-z is or we have a lot of work to do was (laughs) was used as the executive producer and he was really in charge of getting the artists along with um, Baz Luhrmann and kind of taking Baz's vision and putting it into paper and putting it into sound. And then Interscope made sure they negotiated all the deals with all the artists from the different labels. They collected the songs and the masters when it was done. They shipped off those masters to the film to be placed in the film during post-production. And then when it was time, they put all these songs together and distributed it to all of the physical, physical and digital copies that we ended up buying, like my Gatsby vinyl that I have. Um, So yeah, that's really just kind of how the labels operate, but it seems simple, but really when it goes into how specific certain films can be and how intentional the music is, like it definitely is a bigger job in terms of like being a music supervisor, being someone that is an executive producer, like it's a big job, but can be very detailed and very tedious when you really put it into perspective. But then moving on to our fun section of our topic, let's get into some of Brandy's favorite soundtracks, just kind of like highlighting really what soundtracks you feel like stood out to you, what you liked about them, anything that you really felt like was important, and then we can hash it out from there. 
Yes. So I want to say the very first movie that had an impact on me in any sort of way, music or just film in general, was 13 Going on 30. That was my favorite movie growing up. I related to the story. I was always that young 13. I was that 13 year old girl who wanted to be 30. I wanted to be old and mature and I wanted to have a job and I wanted to work. And that's what I wanted to do. When I watched the movie, the soundtrack, again, I, at the time, I wasn't really into music, but that soundtrack really had an impact on me because that soundtrack is super 80s. Um, that's when the main character, her time, when she was 13, when she was in the 80s, and then she transports to early 2000s. So most of the music is from the 80s. you got Whitney Houston, Pat Benatar, Jessie's Girl, the song was in there. And I love all of the music in that movie. Um, the music highlights the story and the wardrobe highlights the story. Everything, uh, the way she does her makeup, it's all 80s and it transports you back to that time, even though she's now living in modern day 2004, I think. So she still feels like she's that 13 year old girl in the 80s and she's living in 2000s. I'm not sure if you've seen the movie. Maya, have you seen this movie? Yeah, I have this movie. Oh, you do? Okay, great. I do. <laughs> On DVD. I'm, I'm not that bad. Okay, great. <laughs> but so that's just that's one reason why I really love that movie. Um, obviously, the iconic thriller dance scene. That was amazing. That's one of the best movie scenes to me. Um, so just, yeah, use use of popular songs from that time period transport you back to that time, even though you've never been there. So that's just like the power of new movies have and music have on you. I also think additionally, just kind of piggybacking off of that, like it kind of was a really great introduction for millennials because this was like early 2000s to 80s music. I mean, they're not that far off in age, but like this probably was one of the first times that generation got to hear like a Pat Benatar song, Jesse's Girl. I hope they would have heard Thriller, but I think the first time I ever heard Thriller was in 13 going on 30 because I think I heard it like before Michael passed away and before I really got into him. So that also was a really big introduction. Plus like just having so many high charting songs, like having to get the sync money to do that is just really cool and that they were able to afford that budget. So I think that was one thing that I always thought, thought was impressive just coming from like a music perspective was like, they were able to afford Thriller? Like that's dope. <laughs> no, honestly, like the – like, come on. I want to dance with somebody. They oh, yeah. spent some money on that film. <laughs> they spent some money. I'm glad it did the well. The licenses for that was that, those, that cost a lot of money. So well, okay. Insane. Quick question before we go to your second movie. What is – it's hard to choose. But, like, what's your favorite song if you could pick from that film? I know that's hard. Give me two. I won't say one. Yeah. I have a favorite song. Well, my favorite song I want to say that impacted me the most is Love is a Battlefield, Pat Benatar. I had never heard that song before. And immediately, I remember watching the movie, I had to have been like eight or nine. Yes, Love is a Battlefield is definitely my favorite movie from that soundtrack. I had never heard it before. I think the first time I watched the movie, I was like seven or eight years old. And I heard that song and them dancing on, I saw them dancing in their, her bedroom, playing dress up. And I just wanted, that's just literally what I wanted to do. That's just what I wanted to be. I wanted to be with my friends, dancing around, playing Love is a Battlefield, feeling like your heart. I, I was eight years old. What did I know about getting my heart broken? But I felt like I did because I listened to that song and it really felt, it fit the mood and I felt it. And that, I want to say that was my favorite song from that soundtrack. That's a great choice. I mean, also it's natural for like little ones who want to 
feel that song, she goes like, we are young. Like <laughs> I felt young. I was like, we're powerful. It. We're young. <laughs> I was oh, eight. That's, that's a great soundtrack. <laughs> that should just be the name of the episode. I was eight. <laughs> I was eight. <laughs> you were me like, what the hell was this motive? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, moving on to the second one. Um, Yeah, because we, we're going to kind of separate this out just to give a little bit of disclaimer. But your second movie, I think, will be a cult classic for a lot of people it that are is. listening. It better right, be a I'll cult let you classic. Name it. If you don't know Love and Basketball, then what are you doing on this podcast? Actually, no, be on this podcast because you need to learn. But... <laughs> But Love and Basketball is one of my favorite movies directed by one of my favorite directors, Gina Prince-Bythewood. I don't know if you know her. If you don't know her, get into her. Um, she's awesome. I think her story, once you really get into film, you really understand like the story behind the story. And that really just makes everything better. So if you don't mind me nerding out for a little bit, Maya, just for a second. Nerd out. Go ahead. Gina, um, she played sports growing up. She went to UCLA, started out actually as a writer on A Different World. I didn't know that. Yes, exactly. So you learned something. She was a writer on A Different World, and she developed Love and Basketball in Sundance Lab. Um, and then she made the movie, and it is a cult classic. It is amazing. It is so well made. I think that she did an excellent job. I don't actually know how she got all this these songs in here either again these expensive licensings i don't know but she figured out a way because it's her first film as a female director and she figured out a way and she got them in just to put a little like foot in possibly how she got it because i looked at the soundtrack and i noticed it was definitely a lot of like neo soul references at the time because this is late 90s and of course like this is a very black film this, these were mostly black artists and you know like i definitely think hollywood at the time in the demographic was very close to music in some light like I think a lot of movie stars that were movies were friends with a lot of artists or a lot of people that worked in the industry even closer just because like this was really a the 90s of course were was a big renaissance for just black art at at that time obviously so I think honestly like even though she was a newer filmmaker doing you know a different world and kind of like getting her foot in the door there and then making her own movie she probably did somehow have a connection to like Maxwell and like Angie Stone which is crazy to think about but they were kind of not at the intro of their careers I want to say but it was definitely the sort of kind of the first 25% of their career as well say like the first like quarter of it where they're really both like upcoming artists same with Bilal with Soul Sister I love that song um, so I definitely think it was maybe easier than we expect, but like, yeah, like I, even when I make fun of people for like in love and basketball, like I can't lie and say it's one of the best love stories like out there. It's amazing. It's so well done. And she, Gina, she actually based it off of when Harry met Sally, which is a very iconic romantic comedy from the nineties. And she saw it and was like, I love this movie. Actually, I think when Harry Met Sally was the late 80s. I Don't quote me. But she saw this movie and said, I love this movie. I want to see people who look like me on it. And she made it. And she did her twist. She added sports because she was an athlete. She did her twist. She did, And she created this film that was incredible. And the soundtrack was one of my favorite parts of that film. And that was because, again, kind of like 13 Going on 30, it transported you because this story was taken from their childhood to their adulthood. So it was taken over the span of like 20 years, over 20 years. Yeah, so it was taken over a period of like a span of 20 years or so from like the early 80s to the late 90s. And they started out the movie with them as children singing Candy Girl. Um, that was the song that was playing uh, when they were kids fighting. You go to Maxwell when she loses her virginity. You get Guy, I like 
that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And I chart my favorite scenes in the movie by the song. I can literally remember the song I was playing for each scene of my, my favorite parts of the movie. I Like by Guy was playing when they were doing that little basketball scene in their room where they were doing strip basketball. All these are just, you you feel it. Like you remember the songs by the moment in the movie and they match the time period as well. I feel a relationship kind of to the movie because it's kind of like my mom's time period. Like when I watched that movie, I feel like that was, that's who my mom, like that's literally the age my mom was when all this was happening during that time, 1983, Candy Girl came out. That's how old my mom was. That's when she was doing. And that's kind of the music that I heard growing up. Few music that I did hear was from my mom and it was this. And Gina did such a good job of putting you back into that time. Of That's what she listened to. That's what most black people listened to at that time. And you see yourself growing up in the movie listening to that song. So it's like very relatable. Yeah, I think that it definitely, she did an amazing job picking very relevant songs with each era and then having the tenacity really to choose songs in a neo-soul era, uh, era that was very new and very fresh at the time. Because I think this movie came out like 96, 97. I mean, I have to check Actually, after. Actually, I think it's like 2000. Is it? I think it's like early 2000s. Maybe 99. 2000. You're right. Okay. It's 2000. Okay, but yeah. So Neo Soul really came in the late 90s and then this movie came 2000. So it had an established... Um, front, yeah, because definitely Miss Education of Lauren Hill was out by that time, which is one of the best neo soul and rap albums that ever came out. Um, and it, it definitely established itself, but just to really know like what was at the forefront and really what was going to end up being the future of R&B for a good amount of time, getting in front of that and then making that music for that era. Like she chose so many relevant artists that are now like legendary artists for R&B and for neo soul at the time. So it's like for her to pick artists like New Edition and then Guy and then Maxwell and Angie Stone and Bilal, it's just like it, everything, it has a familiarity because these are artists that like have such a close place in like black culture and black music um, now to current day so i definitely agree with what you said and i just think yeah love and basketball is just a great film like if you haven't seen it please go watch it like it's i mean it's one of the few movies where like you can just hear like a falsetto no and immediately have like a mental picture in your head like like this woman's work which is like probably i, I can't say it. <laughs> Probably the most popular song in the film for obvious reasons. One, because Maxwell is just incredible. And secondly, secondly, like the scene is, it's one of the most ex best executed love scenes I have to say. And just like, you you just have, like, I think everyone either thinks of like prom or like Maxwell being fine. Like that's, <laughs> I hope he never listens to this, but like that that's kind of like the middle picture. I know right now I'm like, man, Maxwell, <laughs> like 97 Maxwell was it. Like that's what I think about. So I mean, shout out to Gina and she, thank you for making that beautiful body of work. Um, And then moving on to the next movie. So they don't ever hear us fangirling about them in the future. Good Lord. Um, is a beautiful film that was an uh, indie film. It's an A24 film, but it's also an indie. It goes by the name of Way. I will let you kind of go into what Waves is about just in case people have not seen the trailer for it or didn't really know um, what was going on when it came out in 2019. But yeah, take it away and give us a little bit of insight about what that's about. Yes. Yeah, so Waves is a great movie. If you have not seen Waves, I really recommend it. By director Trey Edward Schultz. I actually met him. He came to University of Miami my junior year, spoke to us in our theater. Uh, after we viewed the movie, he came in, had a Q&A with us. It was went great. And he talked about how when he made this film, he made it because he set out to make a soundtrack film. So when you make a soundtrack film, everything is driven by the songs and the soundtrack, the entire story. 
And when you watch it, you can absolutely tell. Like, I don't want to give too much of the plot away because it's actually a really cool plot. But the movie's basically split in half. And the first half of the movie is supposed to be one way. And the second half of the movie is supposed to be another way. And you can tell by the camera angles, the lighting. Um, in the beginning, it's very bright and colorful and edgy. And the camera angles are fast and close up because it's really supposed to put you in the mindset of the main character. And the music really um, amplifies that. There's some Kanye, Tyler, the creator, Frank Ocean. They really take you into that moment in that space. He said he really wanted it to feel like you were a teenager in this era, in the era that we live in, a teenager in this era, going through these things. So that would mean you have to be listening to the music that we listen to. And these songs were exactly what we would listen to. It was Tyler the Creator. It was, like I said, Kanye. And you can imagine yourself, you listen to the song, and I think it's great because after that, then they transition into the second half of the movie, which is slower pace, wider shots, it's calm. And if you watch the movie, you'll understand why, because something dramatic happens halfway through the film. The main character is now the sister. And when you see that, the music completely shifts. It's SZA, Pretty Little Birds. It's Amy Winehouse. It's slow. It's alternative R&B which is throughout the whole film, which is also why I like the film because I love alternative R&B. That's kind of one of my favorite genres um, right now and just in general. But yeah, I think that film did a great job putting you in that space. Like, again, I don't want to give too much away. There's just one scene where the main character at the beginning is very anxious, very frantic trying to do something because he just uncovered some disturbing news and they play a really, really intense Tyler the Creator song with these really, really close camera angles. Everything's a close up. It's a really tight shot and the cuts are quick and everything is so fast paced and you really feel like you're being suffocated and you feel like everything is happening so fast and you feel like you're in that moment. You feel anxious, your anxiety is building and it's because of the song, it's because of the camera angles, it's because of the lighting. It's because of the cuts. So a song, just the whole soundtrack fit the energy of what the story he was trying to tell. And that's something I've wanted to do is I've definitely want to one day make a soundtrack film. I need an amazing music supervisor, Maya, I'm calling you, because the way he did that was incredible. I thought it was so interesting the way he drove the story with the song. He set up specifically had the songs already picked out because he knew that's how he wanted this moment to feel was how this song makes you feel. I mean, you just said a bunch of great things that I'm going to comment on. But yeah, I definitely – I've seen like about half of ways I need to finish it to be honest. But one thing that I really like that they did in terms of selecting the music is also really focusing on the concept of gender because um, – or yeah, I'll say gender with – because like the main character, Tyler, he – of course it's like the first half and then the sister ends up being the second half of the movie and a lot of the artists that he they do in the first half are mostly male and along so it kind of shows like the male gaze along with the male artists that accompany that gaze which is really great i also love the attention he put in terms of tempo like you said with the kind of the anxiety ridden feeling with the angling shots that's also a concept that's done a lot of course in like horror movies like that's what they do is give music that's very either like 
definitely silent or like definitely anxiety provoking um another just a really quick reference like another movie that did a really good job with that was uncut gems because like the whole movie is like just anxiety like that movie is just chaos and anxiety and every song that they chose was just like heart palpitating anxiety and chaos so i think he did a great job of sort of mirroring that for the first half and then the second half um, mostly female artists like her amy winehouse's as you said it also had kind of a feeling of reflection um i definitely think it was artists that sort of make music that are kind of how do i say it? like producing a feeling of growth and producing a feeling of introspection um i think SZA is one of the best artists that do a great job of that which is why like everyone loved the control album is because she was you can very much see her growth and her transition of how she felt about a person or about people throughout the whole album and i think hopefully we can expect that in the second album um same thing with her um, and Amy Winehouse is just so like raw and vulnerable that you can't help but kind of like feel how she's feeling. So I think that was really good for the sister just because like not giving too much insight because I really want people to see it. But just seeing how she kind of took the back burner the first half of the movie and the second half, you really get to learn a lot of emotion she was feeling this entire time. So yeah, I just think the details in that, like the concept of having a soundtrack movie, really having the music before the film is just... I'm not going to say like I want this to be the norm just because like I definitely think film is its own art form, but it was amazing just to see that little details that really just progress the narrative of the movie. And I just think, yeah, it's it's a beautiful film and everyone should watch it and take it in. A lot of great acting in it as well. So yeah, that's Waves. And then kind of focusing primarily on the Frank Ocean uh part of the movie like really not the frank ocean part but frank ocean was a big inspiration for the music in the movie he's technically like the lead artist for the film there's about 40 songs in the film total but he's really the primary artist that the director was thinking of when he made the movie but i kind of want to get into a movie that has one of the best recent soundtracks that's come out in film but also it was a soundtrack that was given to a certain individual and then he kind of took it and ran with it with his own creative vision given permission by Marvel and Disney. Those of you that may know me saying Marvel, you probably have a certain movie in mind if you know. Um, the movie that I'm talking about is Black Panther. Hopefully all of you have seen it. If not, homework, Disney Plus, Black Panther, get on it, please. Thank you. But um, yeah, Kendrick Lamar, who is the head of Top Dog Entertainment or the head like artist representative of Top Dog Entertainment, which is his independent label out of California, is also an Interscope artist, was given the creative control of the Black Panther album, which I am honestly very surprised Disney gave him permission, but I am so happy because it was such a great, fantastic, like inspiring album and just something that I think people really cherish and still cherish to this day. Yeah, Top Dog Entertainment was the head label. So that means that it was distributed through Interscope because that's the parent label of Top Dog. But most of the artists on the soundtrack are Top Dog artists, i.e. SZA, Absol, I think Schoolboy School Q is on it, um, Isaiah Rashad, but also had feature artists like Future, Travis Scott, The Weeknd, Georgia Smith, just to name a few. And it was just um, also had artists from Africa, of course, because it's in a movie that takes place in a world in Africa called Wakanda. So it was just a great way to see a concept album that was one, a concept album that was rap based and not an album of covers, i.e. like um, Straight Outta Compton that was covers of like NWA's music since it was a biopic of their film. It really gave like fresh rap for a movie that was a major motion picture by Disney and Marvel. Also adding in a little bit of R&B with Georgia and SZA being mentioned and then also had music um, like Afrobeats and African rappers. And it was just like 
just fantastic body of work. So Brandy, I'd just like to know, like, what is your favorite song from the Black Panther album? Or like, what is your favorite music moment in the Black Panther film? Either. I would love to know. Well, you know me and everyone who knows me knows that I am a SZA fan, the biggest SZA fan. So of course, All the Stars is my favorite movie, um, favorite song from the movie. I think I, I don't even know if I, did the song come out before the movie? Because I feel like I already heard the song. It did. They that's the yeah. lead song of the film. Like I was talking about, that's their theme song for the film officially. Right. So that I love all the stars. Favorite song from it was my favorite song in general for a long time. Actually, honestly, same. Like that was definitely in my Spotify top one hundred list that year in twenty eighteen. It that it also got a Grammy nomination for best original song. I'm not sure if it won, but they did perform it at the Oscars and it did get the Oscar nom for it. Very well deserved. I don't know. I think my favorite song, I love all the stars, but there's a song called Seasons and it's an Afrobeat song. It's like half Afrobeat and then half like um, just California West Coast rap. And I love it. Like back when I was still trying to dance or whatever, like I definitely like would freestyle to it. It was definitely like just something that I would play like walking around campus. But overall, the album I just think was really well executed. I think Kendrick did an amazing job. I just am grateful that Disney kind of gave him really the allegiance and gave him the like, let it go, let it be what it is, especially because like, you know, a company like Disney, they they make movies for children and then they make family movies. So really just having a fully like unprecedented, explicit and just unfiltered, unlike orthodox, not unorthodox, but you know, like uncensored album that was about like blackness and about pride and about just getting back to African roots and really just honing in on the character that was like T'Challa and the characters that were all in the film and every character sort of having like their own theme song. I just think they did an excellent job. And it was definitely one of the first movies where like, I fully understood the power of the film with the power of the soundtrack and kind of having a little bit of knowledge just like from knowing you and kind of being in like comm school by that point, it was definitely something that stood out to me. And yeah, I just think it's one of the best soundtracks probably like ever. It's, it's just, it's just dope. Like kudos to Kendrick, <laughs> but yeah. It's a great soundtrack. He did that motive certified that okay he um, did, and then he just getting did into that. a couple more movies of just really just seeing like a little bit of kind of what makes you focus on the music and film i know these are a couple of your just favorites of all time just in films but you have a couple more films to share with us so if you want to share i'm gonna let you take it on over again yes um well my favorite my favorite movie of all time holistically is forrest gump i think that is incredible movie from story to cinematography to performance to soundtrack everything about it is just perfection in my opinion and like I said a big part of that is the soundtrack um I remember I again Forrest Gump I watched really young which I probably shouldn't have but I did and I watched really young and I didn't really have a recollection of remembering these songs at at the time but now looking back, I think about how these songs really drove the story. Forrest Gump, the idea behind it, the theme, one of the themes is just the American dream, the American lifestyle. Um, and it transports you because it takes you through time in history. I think I want to say from the 50s to the 90s, maybe 60s to the 90s is the story. And they have music from each decade. And he goes through events major events like Watergate, um, the Black Panther movement, civil rights, um, drugs in the 70s, hippies. Like he takes you 
the story takes you through all these major times in history and the music matches that because they're major songs from these times in history. Um, they got the Supremes, Aretha Franklin, the Beach Boys. Um, and it's not just one genre, which is what I like, is that the American dream and this idea of Americanism isn't just this mainstream white way that people, some people have this idea of. It's very holistic and they use music from every genre. They've got rock and roll. They've got country. They've got so many different genres that they use. And that's one reason I really like Forrest Gump. And also, I love The Devil Wears Prada. Very cliche of me. I love The Devil Wears Prada. I think it is amazing. Love Anne Hathaway. Love Meryl Streep. Love Emily Blunt. So obviously, I love that movie. And one thing I really like about that movie is... It made me want to, I don't even like fashion like that. I mean, of course I like looking cute and whatever, but it made me want to work at a fashion magazine in New York City. And a lot of that is the music. The music makes you feel like you can like, kind of like you're in Sex in the City. Like you can walk around, um, strut and be cute. And that music makes you feel alive. Um, one of my favorite movie scenes ever, and from this movie in general, is the montage scene of, and Hathaway's character, Andy, walking through New York City from the subway all the way to her desk at the magazine she works at. And she is changed. Every time the camera goes behind something, she changes outfits. And she's walking through New York City changing outfits to the song Vogue by Madonna. And I think that is just brilliant. Not only because you can that song makes you feel like you're in New York City, but it's also because Vogue, this movie is really inspired by Vogue. A lot of people say, at least. It's the theory that it's based off of Anna Wintour, the editor-in-chief of Vogue, is um, Meryl Streep's character. So I thought that was really cool. And then kind of like co-signing just on the thing about Vogue, I think another thing that's really dope about the music that song of course with the fashion reference with it possibly being about Vogue magazine about it possibly being like about Anna Wintour is that Vogue is such a special song just in music in general just the orient of where it came from and you know Madonna kind of making a song based off of the ballroom culture with the LGBTQ plus community and you know mostly black and brown community in New York City granted this movie also takes place in New York City and just having one side of a city or a community completely inspire an artist that is a very, you know, mainstream popular artist at the time. I mean, Madonna was that girl in 1990 when it came out. And ironically, that's another thing about ballroom is that, of course, ballroom, a big thing in participation is that there's categories and a lot of categories are inspired about doing being innovative in fashion and having things that are being readapted and kind of reapplied um, into the fashion world and then having a song place in a movie that is about fashion that was inspired by that same group of people. It just shows like everything comes from something. And that's another thing that they talk about in the movie is that like, um, Miranda, which is Meryl Streep's character, talks about like, and she goes on like a, one of the best monologues ever saying basically everything really does come from something and everything has such a bigger impact than you think. And I think really Vogue being placed in one of the biggest movies of all time now, but also of the year it came out with such amazing actors, like you said, shows that everything does come from something and things are just matter so much more than you could ever think in that moment. And that, you know, that song and that scene really do have a, a really cool underlying impact. Um, and speaking of film songs with an underlying impact, um, one of the final topics I really talk about before we close out is just like film songs that we think 
um, have an overall notoriety that sort of matched the movie. Typically, when a movie is released, they kind of have a theme song or a lead song, like I said, a lead single that go with the promotion of the film. Sometimes this is kind of chosen based off of like what really fits the theme of the song, the movie, or really fits just the overall narrative of what's going to happen when they do the trailer. But a lot of the time, sometimes it's just a song that stands out or the audience loves and ends up sort of falling into place. So Brandy, I'd love if you gave a little intro of one of the first songs we'll talk about. We're probably going to do about three or four just because like a bit of a longer episode, but I just think this is definitely something to emphasize showing like the power of film and music really just being put into perfect place. So I'll let you take it away from there though. Right. So one movie that I think the notoriety of the song matches the movie is My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion um, that is in the movie Titanic. If you have not seen Titanic, please watch Titanic. That song is infamous at this point. You can't think of the song, My Heart Will Go On, without thinking of Jack and Rose in Titanic, or vice versa. You can't watch the movie without having the song playing in your head. They're just on, I think they're on the equal playing field at this point. And that's kind of like, it's crazy because I'm actually not sure what was first, um, if they created the song for the specifically for this movie and if that's the case which i think it is i think that's crazy really the movie brought the song notoriety technically speaking i think that's one thing that's really daunting to think about with a lot of these films is that like a lot of these songs that we think of like all the stars is a great example where like that movie i mean that song was written for the movie and without black planter we probably wouldn't have had that song um and then on an even higher level like my heart will go on was made for titanic you're like one of the greatest ballads that was ever written and performed was written for a, a film. It wasn't like a create. I mean, of course, it was a creative work of Celine Dion's, but like one of her biggest songs. And she is an incredible ballad singer and artist. And just like she's a legend was for a movie like that's insane. Of course, like Titanic, once again, one of the biggest movies ever released. And it's it the song and the movie match. And I mean, anytime I hear the song, I just think of poor Jack falling in that water, like Kiki Palmer said, where she's like, I just see him singing in that water. That's just what I think of. So like it just shows that really the two were a perfect match and you can't think of one without the other. And I think that's why it ended up getting like of course like it got the Oscar for best original song. And um it's like I think like two times platinum minimum. Um so it was definitely just a staple and then one i want to highlight well i think we're gonna do about two more but just another one that definitely even though this was not an original song for this movie it's a cover which a lot of people don't know but i will always love you by the late great whitney houston written by dolly parton written by dolly parton i want to highlight that because she's amazing but sung and performed by the amazing whitney houston is i mean I, that may be her most popular song, which is really ironic because like The Bodyguard, it comes from the movie The Bodyguard, if you don't know, is like an album of songs that she performed and they put together for the movie. But like the way that her most popular song was from a film and not a song that like was one of her songs and one of her many dozens of hits is pretty incredible to think about because like really, if you don't know Whitney like that, really the song that you kind of associate with her. Like, I, I remember, like, when she passed away in 2012, like, the song they kept playing on the radio was, like, I Will Always Love You if you were listening to, like, Top 40 Pop Radio. It wasn't Queen of the Night, you know, Greatest Love of All, So Emotional, I Want to Dance with Somebody. I can go, I can go on forever, I won't. So it really shows that, like, that place, like, her singing it, them choosing that song, like, music supervision is so special and so important because, like, the 
tiniest decision can just make like the biggest difference. And then all of a sudden you're like 10 times platinum and here you are. And then another song. Um, well, this is a song and an album. This is a special case, but this person in my world is always a special case that I want to talk about that really kind of was like the music narrative film before really I think we had a name for it. I, of course, I'm talking about the amazing Purple Rain, the song, the movie, the album done by the amazing late great Prince, him having the album. This was, I want to say his second or his third album. I think it's third in 1984, really him having the album and then also making the film the same time the album was being made. It's like he was fully engaged in this, enthralled is a better word, in this era of his life you know you're going to make the album you're going to do the film you're going to do the album you're going to do the film so it just really showed that he became I mean of course it's sort of a borderline autobiography so it's easy to become the kid when the kid is you um in Minneapolis Minnesota at the time but it just is such an amazing double like two-dimensional narrative like of course you can just listen to Purple Rain and you know you think in the storyline of the movie if you've seen it and kind of think of what's going on when you hear different songs but not hearing the album first and then watching the movie it puts so much great context um alongside the film and then just the movie is such a it's a really kind of a cold classic now but i mean it won the oscar for best original music it also won the oscar for best musical or musical movie and then it won the grammy for um best soundtrack also and then best like pop vocal performance so got the awards that it deserved also it just was named um by pitchfork as the top song of the 1980s so it's a staple and i think it's one of the first movie references where like one it was technically a music biopic since it's by prince about prince and then secondly it's kind of one of the first movies where like music was so relevant and you know the music really had like a full-on narrative and i definitely think like if we're being honest like we wouldn't have had a lemonade movie if we didn't have Purple Rain. Beyonce really wouldn't have had the concept of really taking like a short film perspective or really a long form film perspective of her music and really giving herself a narrative and going through the stages of grief. I think if we didn't have like the short films that Michael Jackson did for his music videos and then also having something like Purple Rain that really was like a very long music video if you look at it one way and then also just like a great film that just really should get more credit a lot of the time but i'm gonna get off of my soapbox for prince because i think he gets enough shout out to my boyfriend joseph joseph if you're listening might you gave my her purple rain shirt and she really appreciates that yeah i do i do like that shirt it's in my drawer at home so shout out to joseph Hi, i just needed Hi. everyone to know that Okay, now you have a couple more movies to talk about. Um, So if any of you guys have seen it, there is a Netflix series called The Movies That Made Us. And each episode features a different movie. And one of the movies on there is Dirty Dancing. And the infamous Dirty Dancing, one of my favorite movies. And one of my favorite soundtracks as well. And one of the songs, I've Had the Time of My Life, which is one of the most iconic movie songs of all time was an accident really actually the way they actually chose that song the they had been filming and rehearsing the the, not filming they had been rehearsing the dance sequence the final dance sequence of dirty dancing for weeks months i think actually and they had no song they were rehearsing it to no music or random music they would put on um just to do it because they didn't have a final song they didn't know what was going to be that epic final song for the soundtrack Um, And for that scene and the music supervisor chose I've had the time of my life, which was this no name random song that sounded great, but no one knew who it was. Cause again, dirty dancing was an independent project took forever to get made. 
they found that song the day before they shot the scene and they literally rehearsed it and did it like that. And I think that's so cool. You, everyone wants to do the, the lift scene. Everyone wants to do the Patrick Swayze lift scene. You want to do it to I've had the time of my life. It, it's iconic. And that was an honestly like an accident. Like that just like that was not planned. <laughs> that song was not planned to be in there. I thought that was so interesting. And if you're like me and you are very interested in the way movies are made and how decisions come across, watch that TV series. It's really good. Um, and I wasn't even going to talk about this, but because I just watched the movie yesterday, Encanto was fabulous on Disney Plus. Watch it. <laughs> and I watched the movie and said, this is amazing. This soundtrack is so good. Why are all the songs so good? I watched the credits and of course it's composed by our favorite guy, Lynn manuel Miranda. <laughs> me and Maya have a, <laughs> me and Maya have a love-hate relationship with Lynn manuel Miranda. Don't but say hey. he, I love, no, it's really a love relationship. We love Lynn. He's absolutely amazing. And he absolutely killed this movie. He did amazing. This was such a good, the music in this movie was amazing. Maya, I know you've seen it. I sure did. And it was fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. I'm laughing. It was so I'm good. Because I don't want to admit it. Because like people are like, oh, Lenny's got another one. Cause you know, like those that don't know, like Lynn Manuel Miranda is a originally a theater composer and he did In the Heights first and then did a short play that I can't think of the name of. And then of course did Hamilton Hope I mean Raise your hand virtually if you don't know what Hamilton is. If not, then we we need to start at at square negative one. Anyway, um, so of course he did Hamilton, and then from then did a lot of composing for Disney. Um, he did Encanto. He's working on the live action Little Mermaid. Um, he also directed Tick Tick Boom on Netflix, which will probably be the first movie that Andrew Garfield gets an Oscar for. Whoop, Andrew, go Andrew. Um, also and did a few more films uh with Disney and just yeah, he's. Just, it's like he just knows. Like, I don't, I I mean, he, of course, has done this before in terms of songwriting, but just the way that he can tell a story with song and with a very specific genre of music, whether it's, you know, rap, whether it's um, Latin music, whether it's, you know, theater music, traditional theater, whether it's pop, like, he just knows how to combine everything that he's good at and make it sound so cute and catchy and singable and I wasn't supposed to be the one that was like gushing about Lynn. So here I am. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> no, you, you pretty much said it. Lynn stays booked. And yeah. busy. That's what I'm going to say is Lynn stays booked. And this was a great book because he, I love these. I, literally, I just was watching and I'm like the first song out the gate. Um, the amazing Madrigals. Um, that song. So good. I was like, like I wanted, I was like, I want to be part of that family and I want to be a part of it because of the song. Like the way he, as a, from a storytelling perspective, that was very brilliant. You use the song to introduce all the characters basically in who were going to be a part of the movie and she did it in such a fun way, captured the essence of the culture um, because they are a Colombian family and they really captured that essence, introduced the cast while also having a singable, catchy song you can dance to. I mean, and throughout the whole movie, it was back-to-back -back hits throughout the movie. We Don't Talk About Bruno, amazing. 
Like, I can't think of one. No, there's no song I don't like in that movie. I'm not going to skip any of the songs. So, Lynn, you did good. Yeah. And then last little Lynn moment, and then we'll go ahead and wrap this baby up. But one thing that's very small, but just the attention he puts in terms of dynamics, in terms of the volume, like, even with the song about Louisa talking about, like, she, for those that don't know, um, when one of the person's gift is that she has super strength, but she's actually really insecure and really scared all the time because she always feels like she has to over-deliver. And she's, like, supposed to be strong and a lot of bravado and a lot of vibrato, but then, like, she, the more she sings, the quieter her voice gets. And then there's another song, and we don't talk about Bruno. There's a sister that can hear everything, so she whispers. And there's a verse where, like, this girl who I don't know who plays the role of Dolores, but she sings, like, really quickly and really quietly. And she has, like, 30 seconds to, like, execute this, like, really long verse low key and it's just done so well and just the way that lynn writes also with the introduction of characters with the um the family of the madrigal song there's also a thing that's used in theater a lot like um great comment of 1812 hades town are example of musicals that use that first song really to introduce your cast but of course do it in in song and it kind of can be cheesy but if you do it correctly it it's something where like you know the show because you know the characters because you can sing it versus like trying to figure it out throughout the show which can be frustrating a lot in theater so i definitely think that was something the good to pick up and put in a family movie so two thumbs up for lynn this was fun i had a good time like this was definitely more of a casual motive but like this was honestly a lot of fun i had a great great time um i just have a couple closing questions for you and then we can call it a day um for now but i guess as an independent filmmaker and a, a new filmmaker that has a new short film coming out in a little bit what do you uh, do you think someday you'll actually be interested in partnering with an upcoming artist or an artist maybe that's like a student artist and an independent artist you know to create music for your films and sort of give it that musical narrative Absolutely. Um, I think what independent filmmakers really struggle with is we don't have the budget to get popular music in our films. Any music that's really already made because we can't afford the licenses to that kind of stuff. So most of the time it's always a struggle. Like how are we going to, are we going to get, what are we going to do for about music? Are we going to get a composer? Are we going to get someone to score the film? Are we going to get a, like, is there going to be a song on the, like on a, on a soundtrack? Um, and it's definitely something I want. I think sound is a huge part of a film. Um, no sound or sound at all, any sort of sound, Foley, whether it's Foley, um, the score, the soundtrack. If you don't know what Foley is, that's like the little sound effects. Like, um, if you were walking and you heard footsteps, that would be Foley. Um, so, uh, all these different sounds add to the film and I don't think you could have a film without them. So I am definitely, for this film I'm actually doing now, definitely want to use um at least a score at the very minimum a score and possibly a soundtrack yeah so if you by chance you are a college student in the atlanta area and you know how to compose music and you want to compose for my short film hit me up but yes that's definitely something i want to do and i think filmmakers should do that more and give new artists and composers a chance to feature their film feature their music on your film all right atlanta audience atlanta moda fans if you know anyone that's composing music brandy needs a supervisor and then um my final question for you today well seeing that you know this is a collaboration of a film person the music person how do you think you know music business professionals and film industry professionals can keep collaborating with one another because you know a lot of the time like those of us that don't do consistent creative things those of us that help the creative you know when it interacts with our friends in school that are in the other side of 
the entertainment sector, you know, keep putting ideas together. Like a great example of this is Issa Rae kind of putting together a music collective recently um, with her radio station. And, you know, I definitely think the world intersects with one another constantly. So just any insight of how we can keep collaborating with one another and keeping this flow going and just keep inspiring one another. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I think it's kind of just, I think it's a lot of it is like new artists. Um, in both realms, um, whether you're an artist in the music realm or in the film or television, um, using each other. Um, there's no reason we can't use each other. You don't have to, when I, there's a lot of movies I have in my head, um, ideas that I've thought of that I'm, I think, oh, I can't write this right now. Or I can't, I know I can't shoot that right now because I know I want a certain song in it and I can't afford the license to that song. When honestly, you don't need that. Like they're, are people there are young artists just like you who want to collaborate who want to try to compose a song for the first time or maybe they want to you know just get better at it um i know when i made a short film in college i had a great composer from the frost school of music she was fabulous um and she did my whole score and it was great and just more things like that or even as a musician um you have a song think um, music is still storytelling. Music is a form of storytelling, just like filmmaking. And you have a song, let's see if we can add a visual element to that. What can we do, a music video? Um, can we do a short film based off of that? Can we do something like a, a lemonade like Beyonce? We can do our own visual format project um, of with your music, you know? So just constantly trying to create. You have to always be creating. I think additionally, just in terms of like, you know, networking not saying networking but you know in terms of keeping people around like this is a very you know if you're in entertainment these are for my people you know that are listening that are interested in working in the entertainment field like having friends and having people that you can have as an emotional support system is really crucial um you know we're still kind of just starting out but just learning like the older i get the more i'm learning that like having your friends that you really can call and be like not of course overshare about your job but really just say like hey, I'm going through this, or hey, I'm working on this project. Like, Brandy texted me, was like, hey, I'm working on this project. Like, can I just bounce some things off of you? And I did that when I was starting Motive. I was like, hey, I'm putting this thing together. I'm kind of scared. Like, can I kind of show you this? Can I kind of show you that? And those people, that's the thing that's kind of great about having people in your room, if you're, you know, blessed to have it, that also do something similar to you do is that you kind of understand the same insecurities, you understand the same grind, you understand the same ambition of kind of working it out and trying to figure out where your fit niche is and where you fit. So just, you know, like keep your friends around, like, you know, don't think you're too good to have friends that are, you know, even if it's different fields. And even if you think like, oh, I'm a musician, she's a filmmaker, they won't get it. Like, People usually want to learn something that they don't fully understand if they love you enough or if they just, you know, want to open up their mind. So I just say, like, just support people wholeheartedly and not just to get something out of it. Because honestly, like having friends that understand the hustle of kind of what it is to be like a young entertainment professional really has like saved me in so many different ways through the years. So that's my little two cents. But Brandy. Thank you so much for coming to Motive. I had a, I had fun. This was cool. I thank yeah. you. I had a great time. I was nervous, yeah. but this was fun. Oh, don't be nervous for Motive. We're always learning and growing and elevating here. Plus, I speak too fast and I stutter. So you know, the, if the host is, I um, <laughs> you're not. 
I'm not I'm no much better. So. Well, it was your first episode. But speaking of it was your first episode, I am excited to say that this topic will have a part two because as you can tell by the length of this episode that we had a lot to talk about and there was a whole side of this topic that we will tell you guys next week about that we want to unpack. So Miss Brandy will be back next week. You don't have to wait two weeks for this. You will be getting it in seven days. Please do not get used to this because I'm still in graduate school and I'm trying to graduate in five months. But seeing that I kind of did y'all dirty with the release date of this one, I wanted to give you a little special treat and have her come back sooner. So just stay tuned for next week for our part two of, we'll say, of visual music. I don't want to, you know, give a little film highlight if it's not that. But with that, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you stay fresh and cool and fly like I always say. And of course, stay groovy always. Bye.